Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody back to another edition of Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. What's up, everybody? Oh my goodness, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, every single one of you who listen to the show. Hope you're doing well today or tonight or I guess whenever you listen to the show. On the show today, we have Carly Wadman and she is an animal trainer. She's been working with animals for over 15 years and her experience is so extensive and I just... You guys, I had such a good time talking to Carly about her experience. We went over an hour. And so this interview is really for anyone who's ever been interested in training animals or working once again in the animal care facility. She is a proud graduate of the ETIM program, which stands for the Exotic Animal Training and Management Program at Moore Park College. It is the elite school for animal trainers and animal care professionals all around the world. People go to this school and it's really truly like one of of a kind. So she talks about her experience going to Moore Park College and being part of that program, training a variety of different animals. She tells a hilarious story with a hornbill, which she bonded with. Also her work with Clarence the tortoise. I mean, who does not like a tortoise? She then goes into her work working at SeaWorld San Diego at the Pets World Show and where she is now at the Animal Actor Show at Universal Studios in Hollywood. She has a lot of experience, a lot of great insight in this interview. We also man, this is going to get pretty controversial, but we we talk about SeaWorld and we also talk about Blackfish near the end of the interview and we go into quite the discussion and we go into what, you know, we go into animal activists and we go into, you know, naysayers, people against zoos, people against aquariums, and we also discuss our thoughts on SeaWorld and on Blackfish. I'm curious to know your thoughts after you hear our discussion. Please, of course, you can send me a direct message on my Instagram or send me an email, info at CorbinMaxi.com. Let me know what you think, but I really, really enjoyed this interview with Carly. I know you are going to absolutely love her. As always, before we get to the show, please make sure to subscribe to the show and uh, leave a rating, a review. I would appreciate it. It, uh, it helps get the show out there, and we are at the top 100 nature ranks or the top 100 nature ranks that doesn't make sense we're the top 100 nature podcasts on itunes and once again that's all because of you and just sharing this getting the good word out there about animals and getting some great information out there for people who want to dedicate their lives to them you can also, uh, you know, for more behind the scenes stuff, make sure to follow me on my Instagram at Corbin Maxi. Also Facebook, uh, TikTok, which is, hey, you know what? It has not gone away in the US yet. So you can follow me on TikTok. I will also include Carly's Instagram handle. I really enjoy following her and her animal adventures. I will include that in the show notes. I also, you know, just, you know, Gosh, I feel like I have a million things to say. There's a million things going on. We're busier than ever. But I also would like to encourage you to join us for Animal Nights Live. That is every Thursday night on my Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I go live at 8 p.m. Mountain Time, 10 p.m. Eastern, where we bring on animals. We've had a camel on the show, a wallaby, a rattlesnake, a an alpaca named Billy. That was hilarious on the show. A variety of different stuff. It's a great way to interact. 
with people around the world who love animals. And that's actually how Carly and I met through this show and we've communicated. And so that's how she actually got on this podcast, Animals to the Max. So check that out for all of my animal lovers. And I also encourage you, uh, if you've been following me on my social channels, you'll know that I've been really active on YouTube. So make sure to subscribe to my channel on YouTube for more animal videos, more like behind the scenes stuff. I'm a huge behind the scenes person and I'm, I'm kind of over that I don't know. I'm kind of like ready to cut the bull and just like show you behind the scenes and like this is really what working with animals is like and I love showing you that behind the scenes stuff. So make sure to go check out that on my YouTube channel. Okay, let's get to it. That's enough plugging for today. Please welcome to the show Animal Trainer Carly Wadman. I am so excited today. We, I mean on the show today, we have Carly Wadman. Did I say that correct? Uh, Wadman, but Wadman. you could, and people say Wademan. It doesn't, it does not matter. <laughs> I screw up everyone's last name. It's awful. I'm so sorry. Well, totally. I, so no, I, no problem. I feel like I know you because you were one of our top fans on Animal Nights Live. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. I'm, I've really just enjoyed like the past year or so of getting to know who you are, both as an educator for wildlife or for, uh, people who we need to know about wildlife as well as just entertaining in general. It's been it's been a lot of fun watching you and uh, and seeing how that's all developed in the past year. Yeah, well, thank you for watching our show, Carly Q. That's your Instagram name. And it's so awesome yeah. when you join. <laughs> and you had me dying laughing when you messaged me because we were having oh. rattlesnakes on. And you were like, I've already had two margaritas and I love Wait. rattlesnakes. And I'm going to have a third. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is... This is what I want that show to be about, like just to to connect with people like you, animal care professionals around the world and have a good time and learn about animals. That's exactly what it feels like to me. It's like every Thursday night, I'm like, that's my night to just kick back and, and have a good time. And sometimes I'm really eager to engage and other times I'm just really enjoying watching, listening, what's happening. So yeah, it's, it's a fun time. You okay. can always have a fun time on there. Okay. Now, were you nervous with the rattlesnake or were you like, oh, this is fine? Oh, on, on your show? Yeah. Totally fine. Yeah, totally uh, yeah, fine. I mean, people people were like, oh my God, this was so heart pounding. And it was like, I mean, I don't, I didn't think it was that intense. No, she seemed comfortable. I mean, she's, she was just in her little terrarium hanging out. No problems. You guys never got in her way. And yeah, everything seemed very comfortable. I know, but you know, I was talking to Sam, my wife, and we were like, oh my God, what if like Mary gets bit like in our house? Like what in the world? Like we were, I, and it was like, and I was like, knock on wood, like that should not happen. But it was like, what is this show turned into? Like Mary died. I mean, not that she's going to die, but anyway, so. There's always, there's always that risk, you know, working with hots like that. But at the same time, you guys are all professionals there. You would know what to do. And, and uh, best part is you would never put the rattlesnake in that situation. You know, I, no. I trust you guys completely. And that's why I love watching you so uh no never any concern it, obviously there's going to be a little bit of worry but from the viewer's perspective uh, i wasn't i wasn't too worried watching you guys at all Good. it was great well i'm sorry to talk about the show but that's just how i feel like i because no. you've been watching for weeks so i feel like i know Definitely. you but you are just you've been working with animals for over 15 years and your resume is so <laughs> impressive 
Like you sent me, it was just, and Zookeeper Brian actually recommended you as a guest. Oh, yes, definitely. I love, I I was going to call him Zookeeper Brian. That'd be so weird. uh, Brian, he's just Brian to me. And yes, we are, um, we're really good friends. I was so flattered when I found out he did that. Like absolutely just blew me away and um, obviously thanked him a ton because I'm like, this is something I never would have thought to do, you know, just, just, I wanted to recommend people to you, but you did. yeah, yeah, that uh, that was a nice little surprise that he gave me for sure. Yeah. I was, uh, very cool. <laughs> it was so funny too because you were like, because you reached out to me and you were like, "Hey, this person would be a great guest," and I'm like, "Oh, hey, by the way, like, thank <laughs> you for the suggestion, but what are you doing? Can you be a guest?" It was so cool, but <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. It really made my day. I'm like, what? Because uh, yeah, like I said, I, this is something I've never done before. It's very unique to me to just. Uh, you know, talk in a public scale like this, where there's no animals present for me to oh. talk about. Very different for me. Very, very unique. Oh, that is right. Because I, mm-hmm. I always thought about that too, because animals, like you can always fall back on. You know what I mean? Like if you screw yes. up, like, oh, yes. yes. But like, if it's just you, it's like, crap. <laughs> totally new. And But thankfully, because I, I've been watching you for so long and we've chatted over, you know, Instagram and everything uh-huh. with, with your show that uh, this was just another conversation. So I'm comfortable comfortable without having an animal going okay from tip to tail what should i talk about next this is just a conversation which is feeling great feeling good yes and it might be easier because as you know because you've been presenting wildlife for so many years it's a lot more difficult than people think when you're trying to talk to an audience and you're trying to work with an animal and you don't know what's going to happen like that's a lot to do there's a lot of things you have to think about there is everything can, in taking into consideration from the perspective of the animal. Is everything feeling comfortable for them? Is it fun for the guests? Is it? Uh, am I presenting the right information for the right age groups? A lot of factors to consider. Um, but it's it's always been a good time, and and thankfully with with every animal I've ever gotten to present, there's always really cool things to talk about, no matter what. I mean, that and even if you can't really remember any of the specific uh, like traits that um, a breed or not breed I'm sorry a species might have uh-huh. you always have the fallback of like okay well birds themselves and they just go on this long list of just the generalized topics and it's uh yeah it's always fun always really easy to get into the groove once you're you're used to it yes and you know a lot of young people listen to this show and they want to <laughs> grow up and they want to train animals And you are going to be like the perfect person. Like I want to do this podcast about like how to grow up if you want to train animals or like what to do, how to become an animal trainer, because your extensive career, I'm looking at my notes. I took notes on you. It's just like, it's amazing. So take us through your background, your childhood and what led you to this career path of, you know, working with animals and training animals for a living. Sure. Sure. So, um, just like with with every person, uh, for the most part, it started out with just a deep love of animals when I was a kid, and and following that passion of of just every opportunity I I got to work with an animal, and and I mean every opportunity, as in going to a party and really only socializing with the dogs, that kind of <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, I I really just embraced it and um, started seeking out opportunities where I could go, you know, feed people's horses or or um, something like that. So I really I was more into horses when I was younger, which obviously I still love them very near and dear to my heart. But um, that was more of my background because that was what was available to me where I grew up, uh, as well as dogs. And then um, I really just said yes to everything. And I think that's something that a lot of people um, 
they want to go to school, which is great. They need to go to school, get get the right education, uh, understand what what they're going to be uh, speaking about, whether it's to people or to colleagues, etc. Like um, everything is really important. Any like grain of knowledge you can you can attain is going to help you out. But um, all the hands on experience I got. It was because I just said yes to as many things as possible, and um, and I was also really lucky to be surrounded by a lot of people who saw my love for animals and would reach out to me if they thought I'd be a good fit for anything, uh, for whether it was yeah, taking care of an animal while somebody was away or uh, doing any kind of training with an animal, and it it just developed into this um, habit where I, I never even thought of doing anything else. Um, I was really really lucky to have that. Yes. pathway really clear for me when I was younger. Yes. And where, where did you grow up? Just so the listeners know. Oh, of course. I grew up in uh, Palmdale, California. So nice. it's about 40 minutes north of LA, uh, give or take a, a bit of time, depending on traffic, of course. Oh my gosh. I'm thinking of that song. You know that song, Palmdale? I do indeed. That was about us. <laughs> oh my gosh, Palmdale. Who sings that song? Is it Afro, Afro Man? Man? Oh my Afro gosh. Man. Okay, just yeah. a plug there. Afro Man's a huge listener of the show, as you can imagine. So No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> For half a second, you almost got me. Did Luckily, I really? <laughs> Afro Man? I almost did. I was like, really? <laughs> um, yeah well i'm it is it is still pretty early for me personally so i'm, I'm a little more gullible than usual anyway yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah so i like what you said at a young age you just said yes to everything just regarding your work with animals i think that's key you know when you mm -hmm. want to get into this field i mean were there some tasks where you were like oh man i don't want to do this this sounds awful but in your mind you're like i have to to achieve this of course of course and and a lot of that was just um trying to get myself out of any comfort zone I might have felt settled in. So if if I ever found myself in a situation where I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it just based on my own discomfort, I'd really have to look inside, inside myself and say, am I saying no because I really have like uh, an aversive feeling towards this or because I just need to get over it? Um, and just like uh, this, this is a fun story. So I have uh, arachnophobia, but but I knew that, especially getting into the more pro program, which I'm sure we'll go into yes. uh, quite a bit in a little bit, um, that you would have to hold every single animal they had. And at the time, they did have a tarantula. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have to be prepared for this. I'm going to have to be able to hold this tarantula. So luckily, my best friend has uh, had two. She had two tarantulas. And... Um, Truda, Truda form. She was, she was standing right there next to me, and and it took quite a few tries. I think I went over to her, to her place three different times, and we just kind of started with a couple legs on my hand, and then she'd take her tarantula off. And she's also got really sweet tarantulas, so oh, good. I'm lucky there. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of got eased into it um, because once again, I just had animal people all around me who were willing to work with me through it. And yeah, I was able to hold her tarantula, even even you know pet it a little bit, get comfortable. And that carried over into working with the tarantula at Moore Park and uh, and being able to expand my my um, repertoire in that way just by getting over that fear. And I still have a little bit of a fear, but if somebody else is, is there or is like, this tarantula is really great and I know that tarantula is great, I can pick it up, I can hold it, no problem, I can present it and and be pretty comfortable. So that was a, a good lesson that I felt I learned just because I'm like, I really didn't have a reason for the fear and I knew I needed to do it for, for education, for wanting to get that message out there that 
these are actually really incredible animals and really help out the environment. Yes, yeah. and you have to admit they're not that bad once you hold no, them. No, not at all. I, I my uh, my go to was it's a skinny hamster. It is a skinny hamster. That's all <laughs> I've it never is. Heard it's just that. Gonna... <laughs> oh my god, you're right. Like a skinny lightweight hamster. Oh, you're yes, right. I've it. never heard that. That's absolutely absolutely it. So never once have I felt threatened by a tarantula ever. Um, and I and I've worked with with quite a few now, and um, they've always been very gentle. And of course, that comes down to individual personality too. But always been very gentle. Um, and uh, I've been lucky enough to work with the right people. So I knew which tarantulas to to go for. You know, obviously the rose hairs are the oh. my fallback. But oh, I've worked with my red knees, that kind of thing. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, not that bad. Skinny hamster, no problem. I, <laughs> and I can, I can get through it. Well, we just did something. We're going to put it on YouTube soon, but we just, this gal raised $4,000 for the, for, for, for Alzheimer's, for this, for this, for walk to end Alzheimer's. And we like, we brought one of our tarantulas. Isn't it amazing? But this tarantula was like, did not want to be held. The gal was like freaked out. And I was, I like tried holding the tarantula and it like, it was, you know, like went really fast. And I was like, oh my God, it's probably so terrifying, but it finally calmed down and it wasn't that bad. Good, good. I mean, yeah. And that's tarantulas are, I think, more sensitive than people realize. I mean, if, yes. if the people handling them are any kind of nervous or reactive, they are going to be nervous and reactive, just like most animals, but yes. especially tarantulas and invertebrates. Yeah. And yeah. if you were to drop them, they'll die, like especially from a height. Yes. So like we yeah. have to make sure people are. Yeah. But yeah, everything worked out. So, OK. So you. OK. So you. So did you. So growing up, did you want to become like a zookeeper or did you want to become like a dolphin trainer or like what? What did you what was your like? goal so that is actually a great question because i growing up where i did even though i knew that um i could take care of animals uh, I, I never really realized i could have a career with it so i was um under the impression that the only career to have with an animal was a veterinarian um oh. and that that was just my perspective i i hadn't really thought that that was a viable option um especially for somebody like me who didn't really have any personal animal uh, role models like a human mm. um, um professional role models that worked in the animal industry so it wasn't until I got a little bit older and I met some people uh, just outside my town in a town called Acton who did have their own rescue place, rehabilitation center. Um, and they had a, a handful of native wildlife that was to be released and a handful of native wildlife that was going to be with them permanently. So I, I worked with them a little bit. Um, and that was that was a pretty eye opening. I was like, oh, I like this. I didn't know somebody you know could do this. Uh -huh. Still didn't think that I could do it. So um it actually came to my attention uh, that the Moore Park program existed, um, the Exotic Animal Training and Management program, and that's where I started reading about all the different careers you could have. Because I would see people, the trainers, on on stage at various places, and I'm like, that's cool, but they must be somebody really special. Uh -huh. I didn't realize that it was just somebody who had worked really hard and who had a passion for animals and, um, and that that could be me. That was a really, really eye-opening experience for me. So that was about 18 when I, I saw that. And I was like, oh, I can I can have my cake and eat it too? What? What is this? You know what so, I just realized? It, more Park College that? is almost like Hogwarts. It's like this, you know what I mean? Are you a Harry Potter fan? Yeah. Right? I just oh, thought absolutely. of that. Okay, good. I was like, I hope she gets this reference. <laughs> I've never, but it's true. Like you find out, because I found out about Moore Park when I was 16 and it was like, oh my God, there's this magical school where 
animal people go and there's this program and you get to train all these animals and it's like what totally it's it's exactly as amazing as it sounds i mean there's there's a lot of of little intricacies you have to work out and of course the reality of of you know financials and and whatnot but um it is exactly as amazing in every single aspect it's incredible um, and I got really, really lucky that it's only an hour away from where I grew up. <laughs> so wow. Moore Park is an hour away from Palmdale. And funny story, I actually, so I didn't realize the program existed. Um, my cousin even attended Moore Park College. It's community college. And uh-huh. so she went there. I had been there, but I didn't realize there was the program attached to it, the zoo attached to it. So um, I had moved to Georgia after I graduated high school, stayed for a, a few months, went back to visit home home and found out about the program when I was visiting visiting somewhere uh, someone here at home in Palmdale they told me about this program and I was like what as soon as I got back to Georgia I researched it started making plans to move on back and uh, and that's exactly what I did so I'm like I had to move across the country to find out about an amazing place that was an hour away from where I grew up that I had been to <laughs> yeah it was it was a really really fun time oh my gosh now were you doing an animal job in Georgia I was, I was. So that's where I got uh, my start as a profession, my first professional animal job where I was um, working at a vet's office. So I was a kennel attendant, but of course, you know, working in a vet's office, you kind of get exposure to a a lot of uh, aspects of animal care in general and and just um, seeing a lot of the procedures they were able to do. And and, uh, they did a grooming. There was a grooming section as well that I would help out on. So I really, my first official job was really, um, it it covered a lot. And I was really lucky to find it because that job opened up every single door that I've ever been presented with just because I had animal experience. So as short as it was, it was only about six months that I worked there. But Uh it was because of that job that when I moved back home, if I had animal experience on my resume, people were like, yeah, bring her on in. So every single job I, I got, it, that kind of started it all. And um, and that was another thing that whenever somebody talks to me about wanting to work with animals professionally, I'm like, take any job you can mm-hmm. with animals. Dogs and cats are a great place to start. Great place to start. Yeah, I'm so happy you brought that up because so many people think like, Oh, I don't have any experience with exotics, but you could like dogs and cats. You could use all that in for like, you know, the, the, the whole training aspect you could, you put on a resume, like great attention to detail when you're doing records. Like there's things you could do with dogs and cats. It pertains to exotics. That's such a good point you brought up. Yes. It's across the board. I mean, animals, obviously you're going to deal with, with species specific variables as well as individual personalities when working with animals, but Uh across the board, Animals are all the same, you know, respecting them, providing them with the best welfare possible, that that sort of thing um, all plays into it. And if you're able to get your start working with dogs or taking care of people's houses who have, you know, pets, anything that um, any opportunity that comes your way, it's going to give you a foot in the door for when you start working in a professional setting with animals. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Great. Okay. So you find out about Moore Park College. And by the way, for those of you listening who have never heard of this, we encourage you to Google Moore Park College. It is this amazing Hogwarts school uh, (laughs) where animal trainers go. It's a two-year program. I, yeah, definitely look into it. It's in Moore Park, California. I want to talk to you about your experience there because my journey did not lead me to Moore Park. I did my own thing. And, uh, just because I was stuck here with my animals, but tell me about that program because I've always wanted 
wanted to know what it would be like being a part of the exotic animal training and management program at War Park. Absolutely. I, um, I, it's one of my favorite subjects. Uh, I can never say enough good things about it. Um, that program in itself is, of course, incredibly difficult. It is uh, 22 months of very, very intense work. So you're doing um, full-time classes. And of course, each semester, the classes change, get harder, and um, but get more concentrated. So you have a little bit more time to spend on the zoo. But you're essentially splitting your time between full-time classes and full-time zoo work. So um, I was clocking in about 100 hours a week, which wow. I don't know how I did it. I don't know how I did it. Thank goodness I got into the program in my mid-20s because I don't know if I'd have the energy nowadays. But yeah, um, yeah it was... It was incredibly intense, um, and I personally was never really uh, great at schoolwork. It just, it, I would get bored, I would want to do my own thing, I'd get fidgety, so um, that's why I knew I wanted to work with animals, something hands-on, something active, and having that setting where I was both working with animals, but also kind of being forced to put my nose to the grindstone, learn from books, from my teachers, from my classmates, really um, opened my eyes to uh, being on the right path. I'm like, this This is where I need to be and what I need to do to get to where I want to go. Even if I didn't have like a clear idea of what I wanted to do after the program, I still saw myself working through the program. And I'm like, this is difficult. Every, every minute is a test in some way or another, but... Um, and it's exhausting, but it was it was worth it in the end. So having um, the the program there, like I said, it's it's full time classes and full time zoo work. In the first semester, you're pretty much just taking classes, and then you you have some time on the zoo to understand how it works, and you're just you're meeting the people and and getting into a groove. The second semester, your class workload lessens by a little bit, still considered full time, but lessens just by by a couple credits and you have more time on the zoo to start taking over for when uh, the second years graduate because sure. it's, it's first years and second years um, then it comes the summer semester where the second years have graduated you are completely on your own with you know 50 or so classmates depending on your class size and it is a student run zoo so while there is staff present for helping out with any kind of um, procedures or just advice, uh, any knock on wood emergencies, that sort of thing. Uh -huh. They are there. They are responsible. They are able to help us out. But we are essentially in charge of making sure that our animals are taken care of. And we do get assigned animals um, come summertime. So we start the turnover process in the spring before our second years graduate. Summertime, we completely take over caring for animals with all of our new co-trainers, as in people who got assigned on specific animals with us from that from our class, um, and uh, yeah, the that fourth semester, that other that spring semester that comes up, that's when you start doing more field trips. You start um, integrating your first years onto the zoo and kind of teaching them how things go. So the roles reverse a lot, and then by the last semester, you're just focusing on trying to do what's called projects, which basically week-long, um, uh, what are they called? Um, internships, week-long okay. internships uh -huh. um, at various facilities all around the world. Students go everywhere all around the world. Mm. Um, some stay local, just depends on on their personal situation and preferences. But yeah, and then, then you're off. 
then, then, you're, then uh, you're set, you're graduated, and then you're just, it's over? How did this happen? It's over. And it's, okay, so I have so many questions. That was, like, awesome. So I know. That okay. was a really concentrated. No, no, it was like, great, though. It, no, you should, like, the listeners who have no idea, that's, that's amazing. So, <laughs> first of all, what type of animals live at the zoo? Because if I'm a listener, I'm like, okay, what are you taking care of? Like, what type of animals live there, and which animals are you assigned to? Sure. Well, the good thing is, um, you know, the, the list kind of never ends. There's, there's always... Um, the staff is always going to be on the lookout for the right animal to bring into the program. So uh-huh. there's not just one type of animal that that they have. Um, when I was there, we were lucky enough to have several large carnivores. So we had um, a couple of spotted hyenas. Oh, I love we had, hyenas. Oh, my Oh, you have no idea. I just really? I fell in love. Yes, I, love I fell in hyenas. love with, with the so with the uh, Savuti, the spotted hyena, Brian worked with him quite a bit. He might have even mentioned him when oh he was on your podcast. Um, and yeah, he was he was an amazing, amazing boy. Um, we also had um, a lion at the time. He, he was oh. he was about a year or two old when I was there. So he was he's still pretty much a baby, uh, which was really fun to see him grow up now that he's got this big mane several years later. Yeah, he's gorgeous. Um, so we had carnivores like that. We also had smaller carnivores like servals. We have uh, coyotes. Um, then, of course, we've got, let's see, I'll do front to back. We've got our, our reptile area. Yeah. So um, we've got some just general, really well-handled, well-taken-care-of reptiles, uh, rosy boas. We have a European glass lizard. Yeah animals that I had never heard of coming into this program. Uh, so even though I had some experience with reptiles and, and taking care of tortoises and whatnot, um, I had never worked with a, a Galapagos tortoise. I mentioned him to you uh, not too long ago. Clarence. Yes, yes. He's oh, he's the sweetest. He's about 100 years old. 100 and, uh, years old? 100, yeah. I he mean, was, like, I was... act like I'm shocked, but I mean, I know they lived that <laughs> long. I just didn't know he was 100. <laughs> yeah, he was He was 90, I think 94 or 95 when I was in the program. Um, so I, or he was like 94 to 96 when I was there. So he's he's just about 100 years old now. Wow. Um, yeah, he's, and he's so smart. You know, they the trainers, so, um, sorry to segue a little bit, but no, the trainers segue. do work with, Oh, good, good. <laughs> Love segues. Yes. Um, yeah. So trainers do work with each of their animals and they are assigned to do certain training projects throughout the semester. And usually they choose or they can get advice from the staff on hand on what they should be training or what they can train the animals during the semester uh-huh. or the year they're on them, depending on the animal. We had either semester longs or year longs. Um, and it was actually a class. So a training class where, um, one instructor, Gary Wilson, who has also been on your podcast, um, he, he was our training instructor. He would come and, uh, evaluate us, kind of give us some helpful hints or, or just advice if we needed it. Um, and he's, he's one of the best in the business. Um, he, uh, would, of course, at the end of it, there would be a grade involved, but he was always really, really knowledgeable and willing to help us and, and able to set the animal and up for us. Wow, well, we can't talk. Uh, the animal and us up for success, which uh, came in handy a lot of times because even though I had had experience with training, it my mind was completely blown wide open when I was when I was there. And Gary was a big reason of that. I mean, he uh-huh. he introduced all of us to so many new things. So Clarence, going back to that, was actually um, learning to color distinguish. Oh, so his God. trainer at the time had different colors, would present him on wooden blocks with these different colors. He could, you know, 
she would show him one and then she'd put it behind her back and then bring out three and he would pick the right one what? Uh, that she had just shown him. Yeah. And then, of course, it was he'd get a little bite of cactus or or um, romaine or whatever he wanted at the time yeah. <laughs> um, as a little treat. But of course, that was all just for fun. And um, all the animals, they get fed every morning and every night and t- well taken care of um, by the students themselves. So um, moving on back to the lo- the area of the z- areas yes. of the zoo, we did have our animal, uh, our reptile sections. We had our parrots aviary uh, where we had um, blue crown crane. We had a, uh, um, oh gosh, I don't want to mess any of this up. Oh, you're fine. So long don't there. worry. No, but just, just um, to say a, a bunch of birds. <laughs> Yeah, You're fine. a bunch of birds. Um, and uh, I mean, we had everything from birds of prey, also known as bops. Yeah. Um, so birds of prey, we had, um, yeah, like, like parrots, macaws, cockatoos. So we were, were really lucky that a, a lot of people who hadn't ever worked with birds before, I was lucky enough to work with some birds before uh-huh. uh, the program, but people who had never worked with them before didn't realize just how uh, important and and um intuitive birds could become and like attached to them specifically so a lot of people were actually a little bit nervous about working with their birds at first and then they were like some of the most fulfilling relationships that those trainers had um which was a beautiful thing to watch over the course of you know a couple of years um and then um we moving on we had just some hodgepodge areas that had anything from uh, our stork to uh, potbelly pig or Viet- yeah Vietnamese potbelly pigs, um, we had uh, we still have a baboon olive. She is. Oh yeah. Brian mentioned her, I'm sure, because he he loved working with olive, um, and she's she's still going strong, and she's a she's a really good girl. She comes out on walks with her trainers, and of course staff on hand. That has to be intimidating though to be walking a baboon or working with a primate. I mean, right? It, it, yeah, I'm I um. I was never a primate person before the program, and I still I still haven't really worked with them professionally. But uh-huh. um, I did gain a whole new respect for them when I was there. And uh, one of the staff members, uh, Cindy Wilson, Gary's wife, yeah, yeah. she was the the um, head primate uh, trainer on the zoo, and she would she's basically the mother of all the these animals that she just uh-huh. helped to raise them, helped them uh, to become these magnificent animals that they, that they were. Um, and of course, animal ambassadors, you know, just for their species having to be um, ready to, to work with anything. And she always was, but the, the baboon specifically just, just took my breath away. Every time I would see her walking down the back road, very slowly, everything was very calm, but they had a little leash for her or a wagon. And she just, uh, would, would go out and enjoy the the sun, enjoy the, the walk around the zoo. And, um, it was always a really cool thing to, to see, even though I was never a trainer on her. It was, it was one of my favorite things to watch. What were you, what, what, what were you training? Oh, <laughs> um, i I worked with um, the Abyssinian ground hornbills at oh, the time, okay. and they were probably uh, my two of my favorites. I, I say that'll bet all my animals, of course, sure. but um, uh, the highlight uh, highlighted ones are, would be the Abyssinian ground hornbills, um, Wilhelmina, and then her son Beaker. And uh, Wilhelmina was a very, very older, older hornbill, and she was. A little more skittish of people because she uh-huh. hadn't really been in a in a setting where she was around humans for a good portion of her life. So coming there, she was with her son for uh, just company, 
and um, he would he was more attached to people. He had pretty much imprinted on on humans at a young age, so he was able to to come right up to us just behind his enclosure, and he would flirt with everybody and try to mm. offer them his food, and Aww. it was a lot of fun. But Wilhelmina, because she was a little bit more shy, that's that's kind of what I like to gravitate towards, like how can I help this animal feel more comfortable both around me and other people? So I was really lucky in the course of my time at Edom. Um, she went from, you know, kind of having her own space in the enclosure and not really coming up to anybody to eating out of people's hands and um, and just and hanging out with us when we were in there and in her enclosure. So and that, that, that was a really beautiful. That must take a lot of patience, obviously, with animal training. Yes. Yeah. Um, a big, big part of it would be understanding that animals, as I mentioned before, all have their own individual personalities. And uh, sometimes some are going to need a bit more time to get used to you. And not all of them are just going to be super friendly and in your face, no matter how nice to them you are at first. It does take a lot of relationship building. So that was, I had to work to earn her trust. And that meant never doing anything that I thought might scare her or mm-hmm. might have an aversive reaction around her and it took it took probably eight months or so before she felt comfortable consistently eating out of my hand and wow. then uh, another like two or she after that she w- went really far really fast she was eating on other people's hands just a oh, few months great. after that yeah no she was a beautiful animal so um yeah yeah I, I was really lucky they were probably my most significant relationship on the zoo for sure wow. um just because it was so hard fought for me to have that relationship with willie in herself like she was she was my, my biggest accomplishment for sure that's amazing i feel like if i went in that program and i'm sure everyone has these dreams but i would be so interested with like the hyenas or the lions <laughs> right is that like the top animal yeah. people go for like i think i'd be great for this Usually, I mean, yeah, the the large carns or the carnivore area. The carns, in, I like it. The large it. carns, awesome. I'm gonna start doing carns, that. Yeah. The large carns. Okay, so go ahead. Yeah. Um. So we, that is a big one. That is a big draw. And I actually thought that's what I would want to do as well. Um. And it only took uh, a couple of times for me being in there to realize, okay, this is really cool, but this is all stuff I kind of already know. And I got into this program to learn more about stuff I don't know about. So I, I kind of realized that pretty much the large corn area is just a lot of cleaning, which I have no problem doing, but it was, it was mostly just hosing and squeegeeing and that kind of thing. And I'm like, that's what I did at a lot of boarding facilities that I worked at a lot of dog kennels. So I ended up choosing to be uh, in the reptile area because I had some knowledge of reptiles, but I really didn't know enough. And that was the one area where I'm like, I want to see myself understand more about these particular types of animals. Um, plus, it was also fun because the reptile area took care of Clarence and took care yeah. of the hornbills and, and took care of a few other extras um, that uh, otherwise I wouldn't have gotten to know. So each area was unique and special. And I'm sure each student is going to say their area is the best. But reptiles is really the best yeah (laughs) just just between us reptiles is really the best area to work in um so that was that was uh how i ended up in there Uh, but yes definitely the large carns are a big draw for for people and of course the primate gardens we have a a beautiful setup for all of our primates um it's this big circular area where these these large expansive balins balins are a a type of enclosure Uh um if for users that are listeners that may not know and um 
yeah, these primates, they have these beautiful areas with all these natural trees all around them and they get they get browse off. In. They get to form a relationship with their trainers and groom with them if they're able to. It's it's a really cool setup, and, and um, that's probably one of my favorite places on the zoo, to be honest. Even though I never worked in in uh-huh. primate gardens, it's just beautiful. I uh, I have okay. a question to ask you. And you have to be honest with me. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> so, how is how are what is the student dynamic like? Because I feel like animal people were like our own breed. A lot of us either. <laughs> are introverts or some of us are like super loud personalities, strong personalities. Was there a lot of like budding heads in, in, in these? I mean, like, like honestly, was there a lot of, or was it more of like a camaraderie? Oh my God, you're smiling. So this means <laughs> what was going down? It, Fill it's us such in. Give us a the multifaceted dirt. answer. Um, yes, of course. When you work that closely with with forty five to fifty people, there there's definitely definitely going to be some some major major to minor conflicts. Um, yeah, there there was was a lot of of issues every now and again, and it is a competitive program so, because yeah, that, that's everybody I mean. wants Just, to work with certain animals. Yeah. So it can be kind of competitive. Um, I, I I don't want to say the word, uh, I don't want to describe it as cutthroat, like it's not like that. Um, a lot of times the staff is there to make sure that it's it stays very civil and that we can, uh-huh. you know, people can work together. Um, you know, nobody, they even say, you know, you don't have to be best friends with everybody you work with. You just have to be able to work with different personalities. Um, and a lot of people, going back to the introverts, extroverts, a lot of people try to work with animals because they don't want to work with people. And uh-huh. one another big thing that staff kind of impresses upon us as soon as we walk through those gates is if you're working with animals, like 99% of the time, you're going to have to work with people. So you can not want to work with people directly. You can pick and choose how you work with people. But um, if animals are involved, there's generally going to be people involved. So just... go into everything with a really open mind and it usually works out I mean that that was their advice to us just open your mind see try to see all perspectives and and um, see if you guys can meet in the middle somewhere or just see how you can work together efficiently enough and Uh and um, the good part was everybody was there for the animals so it all came down to are the animals getting the right care and that was the bottom line. I'm just like so, yeah. I'm just like imagining a class full of like 50 animal know-it-alls and it sounds like it would be so intense. <laughs> like you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And and I was lucky enough with all my experience beforehand and there there was some people who didn't really have any animal experience beforehand. I mean, they oh, they made a, a career switch or they okay. knew they wanted to work with animals but they went to school first. Um so all, all different backgrounds and and the one thing I will say is all the graduates, I mean, work their butts off, uh-huh. like hands down. So even if their backgrounds were completely different and they didn't start off with animals right away, I mean, we all had the same passions. We all started working the the same paces. We all went through the same problems uh-huh. um, and accomplished so much as a class. Even if we all weren't best friends, we all still were there uh, to take care of the animals. And that, again, that just really kind of help level things out and, and put us all in the same playing fields, regardless of our, our previous history with animals. Wow. This is why the program's so great because it just prepares you for what the animal care world is like. I mean, that's why probably more part graduates are selected over a lot of other people. Cause it's like, you guys have been through the ringer, you know what to expect. You've worked with people, you've worked with animals, the training, yeah. the knowledge, like 
you know, that's, yeah, that's amazing. And I have a note here. This is, this is amazing. A month after graduating, you actually get a job at the Pets Rule Show at SeaWorld San Diego. Yes. Oh, yes. I was lucky enough. I saw that show when I was probably about 14 uh-huh. was the last time I had seen that show as a guest of the park. And um, I I just remember it. It's a little embarrassing to admit, admit, but I actually started crying, and and not, and I'm not like a super cryy type person, um, uh-huh. but this was just something. I'm like, this is so beautiful. This is so fun. Like this, this magic message they're getting out there is pretty much, a, you know, adopt when yeah. you can. Look for shelter. Look at shelter animals. That kind of thing. Because all of the animals that that they had, all the dogs, the cats, were all rescues. Um, I actually, after I left the show, I I took two with me. I have oh, my wow. my little dog and my my cat from the show. So, um, yeah, I I really love that message. And I, again, at the time when I was 14, didn't think that that was something that I could do from um, my background. I was like, I'll never get there. That's pinnacle. And then I get there and I'm like, this was amazing. (laughs) This is, this is just hard work. And, and like I said, the the passion and dedication to wanting to work with animals led me to get that job. And, um, I got really lucky. I I had been willing to, to move to any location that they needed me because they have, um, contracts with other, they have, I believe, excuse me, um, um, like Bush Gardens, they have Florida, that kind of thing. So, um, there's, there's other contracts they have, uh, SeaWorld, San Antonio, I was willing to move to any of these, but they just needed help at SeaWorld San Diego, which was, of course, my number one. Yeah, Love San Diego. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I, I got that job, moved right down, and got really lucky. And I had just, like, the time of my life, time of my life down there. Wow. And I have, yeah. so the notes you said, you've from spraining your ankle in front of an audience, oh, that must oh, have been yeah. awful. <laughs> that was, um, I feel like I played it off okay (laughs) but it it was not fun it wasn't as serious a sprain as it could have been Uh um I I the very finale part I run out the center curtain and then I I I put my arm out and catch the macaw who's who's flying down Uh and uh, they don't uh, the macaw doesn't fly down until I I call for her yeah yeah but um in this particular case I came out the center screen and uh, a sweet (laughs) sweet dog who had missed his mark, who wasn't really supposed to be there, was there. And luckily he didn't feel a thing, but I had stopped and tripped um, it, the carpeting and, and the shoes. Of course, we were wearing like slip, non-slip yeah, yeah. shoes. Yeah, yeah. So the carpeting on the stage is, is very like good at gripping our shoes. And I had kind of stopped to try to to not run into him. Uh-huh. And it uh, it just kind of bent something the wrong way. And um, I I never fell, but I stumbled for a second, continued running, hobbling to my station, and then just uh-huh. never called Macaw. So I'm like, something hurts. Oh, <laughs> um, no. And I'm like, I feel like I played it off, but people probably saw my ankle land pretty wrong. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was fun. So I was uh, I was on crutches for a little while, but again, it was not a serious sprain. So I was, I was able to continue working. I and- just had like light duty i couldn't do shows for a little hold bit. on on top of this you're doing shows but you're also you're dressed up as a man right you have a beard on oh no no, no. okay that's a different show <laughs> oh i was so like was... <laughs> i was like how demoralizing like not this <laughs> okay <laughs> no 
no, no. So um, I, uh, for the Pets Rules show, we had, um, if, if anybody's interested, they can check out YouTube, uh, Pets Rule. I was there 2017. I don't know if I'll be in any of the YouTube videos, but um, it's very comfortable clothing we wore for the show, okay. but for the <laughs> beard part. So A Wondrous Night um, was a show that was at um, in, in Florida, at the SeaWorld in Florida okay. for a uh, three years prior prior, or would have been the third year and they decided that year to do it on the west coast so that was the first year on the west coast and it was a nightly show so actually pets rule was suspended for a few months Uh and um i was one of the the trainers selected to be a wise man and um they just needed extras kind of to work with the animals so we Uh weren't actually my my fellow trainers and i uh we weren't like a part of the musical production because it was a whole theatrical performance and it was beautiful. It was the whole Christmas uh-huh. story is told by puppets. And then at the very end, the the quote unquote puppets would turn into real animals. Uh-huh. And that's when I would come out with. I was assigned to the uh, Scottish Highland cow. Oh, those are beautiful. <laughs> yep. Beautiful. Yeah, yep. he's, he's a big white fluffy man. I, I just I loved him so much. Um, but yeah, I, I would have to put on a beard and and man makeup is is uh was kind of the the setup so we would have to try to look like men all us girls because yeah. <laughs> not one of us not one of us were men <laughs> did just, you what were you like was there a point where you like looked out at the audience you looked at like how you were dressed and you're like what in the world am i doing like how did i end up here <laughs> or were you just like I, taking it yeah. in like this is awesome all of the above. I mean, there was there was not a moment. I mean, putting on the, the beard every night and just just doing something that I never thought in my career that I would. I, I'm not a theater person. I love theater, but I've just never had the time to really dedicate myself to a theater project. So I just never thought that would be something I did. But um, that was that was the cool thing working um, at SeaWorld at Pets Rule. It's mm-hmm. uh, it was a lot of theatrics. So even the Pets Rule show, you know, we were technically performers as well as trainers. And then um, being able to participate in a wondrous night for that first year. Yeah, I, I was just in these big robes. And, and uh, I feel like most of us pulled it off okay enough that people couldn't tell we were, we were, uh, we were females, at least at first. But um, it was pretty funny to see people's reactions, especially the pictures I have now oh my uh, God. Of, of me all dressed up in my full my full beard. And I'm, I'm talking full beard. That's so uh, it went funny. down to my chest all the way and then um, and filled in eyebrows and all the fun stuff. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. So I was not wearing that when I sprained my ankle. <laughs> that came the beard and, and such came much, much later, but A Wondrous Night was a, a really cool production to be a part of, for sure, especially it being the first year. We we had the opportunity to work out as many kinks as possible for the following year, of which I went to see the performance because I, I hadn't been to SeaWorld at that point I had left. Yeah. And um, I, I just, it was really cool to see how they had kind of built upon what we had done that first year. Yeah, absolutely. I also have notes that you worked at the Animal Actor Show at Universal Studios. Yes, yeah, so I still work there. Um, oh, oh, yeah, you I cut oh, for a second. oh, okay, perfect. I put a note there. Okay, yes, so let's talk about that, the Animal Actor Show at Universal Studios. So you're still there. I'm still, well, obviously, with everything shut down right now. I didn't know um, you were still there. I thought it was, yeah. this is, that's awesome. So that is your gig right now. That's a great gig. Yeah, yeah, so I, I do, I own a pet sitting business up here in Ventura County, which is the reason I, I moved back to, uh-huh. um, to Moore Park, um, but... 
uh, and left left SeaWorld San Diego. But it was just it was the right opportunity at the right time to move back up here. But after about a year and a half, I was like, I need to do more hands-on stuff with animals. Like, I am so lost without having that outlet. So luckily, because of because of Edom, mm-hmm. um, I knew the manager who worked there, and I was able to, and I knew some people who worked there, and I was able to talk to them and be like, oh, I should back up. In the in the program, I actually did one of my projects that week long internship at Universal Studios. Okay. That is how I kind of thought I was like, I really do want to do this, which is the whole yeah. reason I applied for Pets Rule. And the the reason I applied for Pets Rule and not Universal is I did want to move away. I wanted to either move to San Diego or out of state. I didn't want to stay in the LA area. So um yeah, that's that's the whole reason I ended up going down to do Pets Rule instead. But um I had contacted my cohort or my uh, friends who worked there at the time. Uh-huh. It was just like, are you guys looking? Are you interested? I can work part time. And um, thankfully they were. And I, I got, I started right away and um, started working at the show, started training animals and, and got to know a lot of the animals that I met when I was there for that week. I got to know them a lot better. Um, I was very, very fortunate that we have a great group of people working right now. Um, I, of course, being part time, I'm not I haven't done anything um, since March. Uh, So, of course, I miss everybody and I miss all my animals. But at the same time, um, things hopefully will pick up again in the in the next couple of years and I'll still be around. So I'm planning on helping out as long as I'm in this area. I plan on, on helping out and being in the show and. Uh, and working there as long as I can. Can I can I say so? I saw that show, but it wasn't called the Animal Actor Show. It was Animal Planet Live when they had to deal with Animal yeah. Planet, and that was as a. I remember when I was a young teenager, I saw that, and that was like the pinnacle of animal show. I just, oh my god, the set, the waterfall <laughs> on the set, like the animals. Like, let's talk about that. Do you guys still have the um? What is it the um, orangutan that you guys use the orangutan that you use for the show or no no so they as a whole uh they okay. decided to no longer use primates for the show um okay. which in that this was years and years ago it was there okay. was just a, a big talk of like okay what's where's the direction of our show going to be headed what message do we want to be getting across to people and it really just came down to let's focus on other animals that we know we're going to be able to to showcase a little was bit better this, that was this because of animal activists against using primates in the partially. show partially but this was before the big movement uh that actually um oh. restricted the use of primates in, in certain areas so um that was a, a potential part of it of course me not being there and, and not seeing behind the scenes i, I can't yeah. speak for for the company in itself but um they did decide to do to remove all the primates from from any kind of uh, presentation at uh-huh. Universal Studios well before any kind of highlight was brought to it that okay. it you know wasn't somebody's favorite or animal activist's favorite thing to see so uh-huh. um, we yeah that was that was something I really respected for them they were just like what's like again what's the direction of our show going to be and what do we want to keep the focus on and they it was decided that the primates were not really going to fit in with that new mold that they were trying to create. Man, that's, yeah, that's a tricky, and you also worked at SeaWorld San Diego. Let's talk about animal activists. Let's get into that. What are your thoughts? Because even today, um, just like, you know, SeaWorld still is dealing with awful backlash from Blackfish seven years later. What are your thoughts on that? Because I'm sure you've had to deal with a lot of that working at SeaWorld and at Universal Studios. Yes, yes. So um, one good thing that 
I, I look at it from, first of all, I'm a big believer in, in what does the science tell us? What does the education tell us? What are we learning about these animals that is beneficial to them? Is there anything that they're finding aversive about what anybody is doing? And this this goes across the board, not just for SeaWorld, not just for any any place. Um, and uh, again, shout out to Moore Park for, for teaching us all this. We did have to watch Blackfish, which is the, the catalyst of everything. Yeah. Um, and and we we actually went through it and and um, we've talked to multiple people on in the program we got to talk to multiple people who are on that side of the spectrum of what happened with blackfish how did it get so twisted because if you if if somebody were to watch that movie in personal perspective i saw that movie before i got into the program and it hurt it hurt me so bad um i thought everything i knew about animal care was a lie and um it is, it's incredibly emotionally manipulative. Um, so I actually was, was pretty uncomfortable for a little bit of time, uh-huh. but right after I watched it, I was like, there's some stuff that just isn't adding up. Cause if you work with animals, you know, that animals, if, if they are presented with the right environment and, and worked with correctly, they can be totally comfortable in so many situations uh-huh. that people don't give them credit for. So, um, my my research kind of led me down into realizing that blackfish is just not what it seems to be. I mean, it, it's it's on the very surface level, just wrong, just lies. Um, there's a point by point breakdown, a PDF. I actually I have it. I think on my Instagram. I have oh. it. Um, I have it saved on my phone so I can hand it to people if they need it. Um, and it it breaks down the film minute by minute and either shows the inaccur- inaccuracies right off the top, like just, oh, this is a flat out lie. Or it's like, okay, well, this kind of happened, but this is like, not, not a truth. Like there's, they're hiding something. They didn't disclose the full story, that sort of thing. So um, it is a movie, a film, uh, a mockumentary, I guess I can call it, that is designed to make you feel. It is not designed to make you think. And I, I like to tell people that just because I'm like, it's, good at changing how you feel about things because they use all the right buzzwords and they use all the wrong footage and it just again it's painful to watch but um it it is not accurate i i think it's like the percentage is like 70 to 80 percent is is just not accurate at all uh the rest is mostly just misleading claims that kind of instead of saying outright this is what SeaWorld did or another uh, park that did that was bad it would just kind of be like it it would say something more along the lines of a, a vague statement and kind of letting people fill in the blanks for themselves, which as smart as people can be, it, it's really easy to get caught up in that if you don't know where to look for the right research. Well, so that's she, she, my take. <laughs> yeah, she she definitely did a job at creating a documentary because it just impacted, I think, the whole industry. And I'm definitely. so... I'm so torn. I had, do you know who Mark Simmons is? Yeah, yeah. I definitely do. Yeah. So he, I interviewed him, I think two, was it a year and a half or two years ago? I still (laughs) have not released the interview. He, he was, he was on Blackfish. He was the one that was the only one that was kind of like trying to be a voice of reason, but then they even kind of whatever. And I still have not, yeah, I still Carly (laughs) have not released that interview to this day. Cause I'm just like, 
man, I just don't know if I want to jump or dive, pun intended, into that because it's so controversial. And I'm sure it would make for a great podcast. I mean, I, I probably should release it because I'm sure a lot of people would be like, man, I would like to hear that because Mark talks about yeah. being part of Blackfish, but he also talks about working with Keiko, you know, the famous Free Willy and how, yes, yes, you know, they, you know, there was so much pressure on releasing Keiko to be this wild whale. And then Mark, it was just so tragic. And this is the saddest story about, he literally watched this whale yes, die, like, just, like die. Like just, it just, uh, I don't know. It's so touchy, you know, it's, it's devastating. And it, and it's sad that, and cause I completely understand what you mean. I don't initially just tell people that I used to work at SeaWorld because it, it's just, sometimes there are, arguments I don't need to get into. Right. Um, and, and there's people that are, yeah, <laughs> there's people that are, are willing to, to learn and listen, especially from, from somebody that's, if they're face to face, that's been there. And then there's other people that are so caught up in what they think they know about it. Um, and not just SeaWorld in, in itself, but cetacean under human care, cetaceans under human care. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a slippery slope to go down. So I don't always, uh, discuss it with just anybody yeah. but um i am very of course very passionate about it uh the mark simmons um interviews i actually i believe he was on zoologic uh oh, gray okay. stafford yes yeah yeah, yeah yeah podcast um and i think that's i, I listened to that one and um yeah it, it had me pretty upset listening to his his version of things and him um just kind of say like letting the world know like how everything went down from his pers perspective um, because it is a touchy subject overall. I mean, we, there's, there's so many things that we as humans, we want to do the best in a lot of situations. Mistakes can happen, but the important thing is that, um, a lot of times the animal's care is going to be the, the primary thing that we are trying to, to, to make sure gets done correctly. Um, and again, as I mentioned before, I'm a big fan of, of science and what the studies are telling uh, us. And uh -huh. uh, a lot of times cetaceans under human care, they're the reason that we can help the cetaceans in, in the wild right now. They are the reason that we can um, understand so much about what's happening in the wild and seeing populations decline, seeing um, you know, food sources get eliminated, that sort of thing. So, yeah. um, I'm, I'm fascinated by all of those aspects, but as far as animal rights activists go, I tend not to engage unless <laughs> I really feel that they're willing to, to put the work in to understand how the animal care industry works. And it's a lot of them have never even worked with animals. Um, yeah. and I can appreciate that that's not everybody's passion. Um, mm -hmm. And people can say I'm an animal lover and, you know, have their own dog and that's it. And that's great. But um, people who, who don't quite understand all the different levels and layers of the animal care industry, uh, they can form opinions very easily. So I, I try to help them find the right research um, and find the right places to go to for, for a good education and information. And there's a lot of times I don't know certain answers. I'm happy to pass them along to somebody who can explain things a little bit better yeah. or who have more hands-on experience. Um, but really it, it comes down to just trying to figure out how to communicate with people who might otherwise never have the opportunity to talk to somebody like me, if that makes sense. Yeah. And <laughs> for a listener, and I don't talk about, it's just so, SeaWorld's so touchy. Like it's almost like, don't, you know, I, I don't know. I just, yeah. maybe I should release it, but I've been behind the scenes at SeaWorld several times, um, yeah. numerous occasions. And 
nowhere else have I seen like the like better care facilities. I I mean like I literally behind the they scenes the in diet prep. Absolute like best. I remember yeah. they were we were behind the scenes at uh, you know behind the scenes with their killer whales. And I remember they were like were showing us that just the these giant salmon they were feeding these, these <laughs> whales and one of the one yeah. of these giant salmon slipped out of out of the trainer's hands and it landed right on the floor and she's like oh we just have to toss that and i remember thinking well it's fine like the floor is clean she's like no like we have to toss it like yeah. and i remember yep. thinking they're safe no seriously they're protocol the safety like those animals were treated like kings so i've seen it firsthand um I also want to say, though, and I don't know if you'd agree with me, but I feel like zoos and aquariums, I feel like we're all evolving. And Oh, yeah. Every I, day. You know, like, I remember, you know, going to SeaWorld as a kid and seeing their shows. And they've evolved, I think, to more of an educational. I mean, they've had to, really, because of people are like, you know, with, mm -hmm. you know, with Blackfish. But things are different now. And I think, you know, things aren't perfect. Like, do I, you know, I mean, it's, it's, course, it, 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 it's not perfect, but I think that zoos and aquariums are evolving. And I just think that, yeah, I just, yeah, it's a huge discussion, but, and I do want to say like, nothing's perfect. Like, of course, they're not going to be able to make an exhibit for an orca the size of the ocean. Like we get it. Like it's not perfect, but <laughs> I don't know. But then you look at other things going on. Like, have you seen those documentaries on whaling and what's going on in Japan? And like, of it's, course. Yeah. It's disgusting. Like, it's like, my God, it's like Dolphin Cove it's, or the Cove. Like, it's so sad. That one I have not seen. Oh um, I, I avoided that one. Um, I'm, oh. I, I probably should at some point, but I don't know if I have the, the mental energy to, to handle it just yet. Um, but yeah, those are, are really tough to watch. And I, again, I, I do take the, the footage with a, any kind of grain of salt just until I can do my own research. But, um, just like with Blackfish, you know, I want to make sure I'm getting the right information and not just what the film is telling me. But yeah, those kind of uh, documentaries just just kill me to my core. It's yeah. it's awful. If you're like mad about SeaWorld, watch The Cove and see what's going on every year with The Cove bright bread because of people slaughtering dol it just with dolphins. It's just it's just horrific. And and again, so much of of the misunderstandings uh, that SeaWorld has to deal with is just people not understanding the level of care that these animals receive. And, and nothing's hidden. I mean, they do behind-the-scenes tours. There are plenty of interviews of people who work there who can who, – multiple people, not just one or two employees mm -hmm. that, that might have something, that the personal agenda that they might want to push. Um, but, yes, there are so many um, – opportunities to learn more about what happens behind the scenes and the standard standards of care that these animals receive. Yeah. SeaWorld is one of the most decorated animal care facilities uh, because of how well they treat their animals, how well they, they um, I mean, they put all of their energy into making sure that their standards are mm -hmm. the, the pinnacle. And um, I, I think, I mean, even working with, um, I worked with some dolphins at one point uh, at a different facility and not professionally, just like a, uh -huh. one of the little week long internships. Sure. And that's where I learned that, yeah, you can't, if uh, the facility was to be inspected, you can't find a single fish scale in the kitchen yes. or else you could get a citation. Yes. And if anybody who's ever done anything with fish or fishing and gotten fish scales on their hands, you guys can oh my god, kind of understand it's how awful. difficult they are to remove from just your skin or, or um, a surface. Yep. So finding one fish scale could earn some uh, earn a facility a citation. Those places are immaculate, immaculate. Um, and for good reason, those animals deserve to have the immaculate care like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of it is just 
uh, education and misunderstandings. And uh, that's what SeaWorld is trying to do. They're trying to get the word out there. Uh, again, I don't speak for them, but yeah. um, just if you were to, to look at anything that they, they put out, it's, hey, look at behind the scenes. Look at what we're doing with our animals. Um, and one of my favorite go-tos is it, you, you can't, especially a, a gigantic several ton animal uh, in a water where essentially humans are, are powerless, you can't make them do anything. I mean, a lot of it is is just consistently learning the animals, positive reinforcement training, constant positive reinforcement training. Uh, um, and uh, I really wish that a lot of people were able to see more of how that all goes down and the steps. And again, the information's out there that the videos are there and step-by-step training process of whales and other animals. It's It's all really similar. So having that at people's fingertips and then that still not being in the forefront of the discussion a lot of people just shut those down like oh well it's it's just bad and you're like well it's it's a beautiful thing i mean they are able to work with these animals understand these animals and these animals are happy i mean if you have a dog you have a cat you can know when it's when it's happy and not to anthropomorphize of course mm-hmm. but you can know when it's content i should say content mm-hmm. um and a lot of people don't, they, they do anthropomorphize those animals because they don't have the ability, the animals don't have the ability to smile the way we do, uh-huh. or um, they don't have the same mannerisms that we do. And it can be confusing for people who don't work with animals uh, to know what to look for. So I can see their, their point of things, but I really hope that uh, there are more people willing to listen to animal professionals, uh, like, even if it's not myself, if it's somebody way more involved in the industry then uh, I'm going to point them to that person and be like this is this is incredible care that these animals are receiving and that's what we need to be focusing on because if you pinpoint the little tiny things it it's just going to blow up into to something super exaggerated that it never should have been yeah and uh, there's one facility I won't name it but there are just like with zoos there are great zoos and then there are really bad zoos like there are some facilities who keep orcas mm-hmm. where you see the size of things and you're just like <laughs> oh my god I mean there's a place that has had an orca for years and it's like the saddest tank I've ever seen in my life and so what I'm saying is that I mean yeah I not everything's perfect but I think um and yeah. if I can interject not it, that it's not in the United States, correct? The one you're mentioning? It is in the United States, but it's not AZA. I am not aware of that facility. You're not. Okay. Oh, it's, oh awful. it's not AZA. It's okay. not so AZA. That's, and that's a big thing. Accreditation and yep. and constant uh, yep. constant visits by people who are in the power to to offer those citations yes. and make sure the animals are taken care of. If they don't have that, then yeah, it's it's not a good place, and it's not something that people should look to as an example and compare at all to, to what SeaWorld does yeah. at all. It's so different. I'll tell you off That's air. Funny. I don't want to be sued. <laughs> I just, if you do your research, do a quick Google and you'll probably find it out. But yeah, I just I know. And it's just not coming to my brain, but yeah, yeah I will definitely look, look things up. But, and it's not perfect in SeaWorld, man. It's so I can't believe we just got, it's just so crazy. We've gotten this long discussion, but it's something that I think we do need to talk about and it needs to be discussed. And once again, things aren't perfect, but you know, the fact that SeaWorld has rescued over like 30, was it like 30,000 animals a year? It's just insane. The type of rescue work and the type of, you know, that's all behind. I mean, they try to highlight some of it, but it's, it's never is, is what 
like it's what their mission has always been, you know, ever for the past couple of decades. They really put so much resource, so many resources into SeaWorld Rescue. And um, it, it should be a far more bigger deal than than what it is at this point, uh-huh. just because of how many animals they truly do save. Um, yeah, it's it's an, it's an incredible thing to watch if anybody is interested to look up SeaWorld Rescue and uh, see what they do, see how they uh, function. And, and it's, yeah, beautiful to see the footage of them releasing the animals. Yeah, well, let me know if you're listening, if you do want to hear that interview with Mark Simmons. I'm curious. I'm like on the fence, but I think just after this discussion, it might be interesting just to see. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we'll get some good, you know, insight. I haven't listened to it for a few years, so it's there. (laughs) Okay, Carly, thank you so much. We're well over an hour. You've given us so much insight into animal training. Do you have any advice for anyone wanting to get into the field, working with animals or training animals? Yeah, we we touched on it already, but just say yes to as many things as you're comfortable with. Obviously, um, Try to try to push outside your comfort zone, but put yourself in the way of opportunities. Don't just wait for them to fall in your lap. Eventually, sometimes that might happen if if you you know put yourself in front of an opportunity enough, uh-huh. they will just start doors will start opening for you. But um, take all the experience you can. Uh, look at every single aspect and perspective uh, in the animal industry as possible, so you can have a really well-rounded understanding coming into it. Um, and don't quit. Don't don't quit. Find what works for you. There's I'm still learning about new careers every day. And I've you know been doing this for so long that it, it still blows my mind to see the opportunities that people can be presented with if they're in the right place, at the right time with the right experience under their belt. So don't quit. Keep going and learn everything you can. That's great. You've been awesome. And thank you so much for just sharing your insight. And I'm so happy we were able to connect through, I mean, the hour just flew by, but thank you. I'm happy we're able to connect through Instagram and then just, um, just your insight. I think it's just, yeah, once again, it's going to provide so much value to people and yeah, I just, yeah, I'd love to have you back on to discuss some more things. And I hope that you get back to the animal actor show soon at universal. That's when do you guys think that's going to happen? Um, I, you know, not, not speaking for universal. I have no idea, but we're just, it's looking my, my personal guess would be not until at least next year. Um, and then I don't even know if, if I'll be needed at that point, um, just depending on how things go. So I, I, as I've mentioned, I plan on, on remaining there as long as I'm in the area, but I also don't want to take somebody's spot that might need that job more than I do at this point. So I have other outlets and I, I know that I always have friends there. So, um, and they can call me anytime if, if they do need me, but my guess would be if we open next year and if I still have a job, um, there with them after all the, the job loss that our industry is facing, then I will gladly take it. But, um, who knows, you know, can't say for sure on any of it. What a scary time we're living in. I mean, it's just the weirdest. Yeah, I just and I feel for all of you listening who have lost your jobs or you're just in between. I mean, my God, it's just mm-hmm. I I guess I guess what we could say, I think everything everyone's going through it, you know, right. I mean, you're going through it. Yeah. I'm going through it. All of our. Yeah, it's just it's hard, but we will get through it. There is light yes. into the tunnel. Yes. That is the beautiful thing about the animal care industry is it always rebounds. It always comes back uh, more prepared and and um, more 
ready to to get the word out there that um, education is important and you know, bringing kids to zoos, all that fun stuff, just making sure that everybody has some kind of outlet as well as education. And hopefully we can inspire a whole new generation of people to to jump on this on this train and, and get the right understanding of animals um, while they grow up to take over our, this industry at some point in the future. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. And what is your Instagram handle so people can follow you? And I'll also put it in the show notes. Uh, sure. It is uh, Carly Q. That is K-A-R-L-I-C-U-E at 320. So 320. I don't think there's an underscore in there, but okay. <laughs> I'd have to double check. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's just Carly Q 320. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I will put the, I just will put the information in the show notes, but you've been such a delight to talk to and I'll see you tonight, hopefully for Animal Nights Live. We're going to have a really good show. Yep. Did you see what we're Definitely. doing? I'm so excited. Uh, I don't think so. I've, I've, as you know, I've been up North for, for yeah. a couple of days, so I haven't yeah. really been on, on Instagram much, but, yeah. um, we're having, I know we're having Billy the Apaca join us tonight on Animal Rights <gasps> Live. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. And his teeth are so messed up. So we were going to make a joke like sponsored by, you know, like, <laughs> like Krusty's Dental Care. Like, I don't know. Like, we were going to say Crest, but I don't want to get sued. So, uh, yeah, oh, but yeah. it's super funny. But yeah, check that out. Animal Nights Live, by the way, for those listening. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, airs every Thursday night on my Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, 8 p.m. So, yeah, we'll see you tonight, okay? I will definitely be there. I already can't wait. Okay, awesome. I'll see you tonight. Thank you so much, All right, thanks, Corbin. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.